like you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. It's no secret that families are fragmenting at an alarming rate. The average marriage in America lasts seven and a half years. 60% of all second marriages fail. Every 30 seconds, there's a divorce in America. And as of recently, children can now divorce their parents. And that helps explain why juvenile crime has doubled since 1960. It might surprise you to know that the second most likely cause of death among preteens and teens aged 10 to 18 is firearms. Every 92 minutes, a child is shot somewhere in the United States. And those kinds of statistics have modern-day social engineers struggling to find some new answers. And they should. But the answer is not new. It was written on the tablets that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai. And it's the fifth commandment in verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Now initially I want to point out three things about this commandment. Number one, it's not conditional. It doesn't say honor your father and mother if they were perfect parents. There are no perfect parents. We all make mistakes. We all have weaknesses. We all fail. The only perfect parent is God. I saw a book recently entitled, I'm Dysfunctional, You're Dysfunctional. That describes all parents. Now, you may have grown up in a home where you were abandoned or abused. And I don't want to minimize that. It's a serious thing to mistreat a child. Jesus said it would be better for him to have a millstone hung around his neck and to be thrown into the sea. But the fifth commandment is not conditional. You are to honor the position even where the person failed. When you go before a judge and you say, your honor, you are not evaluating that person's character. You are respecting the position. And that's what this commandment calls for. Secondly, it comes with a promise. In fact, as Paul points out in Ephesians 6, 2, this is the first commandment with a promise. What is the promise? Verse 12, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Now, there are two applications of this promise. First is nationally. When God gave these commandments to Israel, they had just come out of Egypt. They were going toward the promised land. And his promise is, if you honor your parents, your days will be long in the land. And I think that same promise applies to any nation. Obedient children are a national treasure. Today's children are tomorrow's leaders. And when they grow up honoring their parents, that brings a strength and a longevity to the entire nation. But there's a second application, and that is individually. In Paul's exhortation, or, or really exposition of this passage in Ephesians 6.3, he says that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And so there's a promise individually. There, 
are many exceptions to this, but generally if you honor your parents, you will have quality of life and quantity of life. That's a general principle. Sin robs us, obedience enriches us. And then the third observation I want to make initially about this commandment is that it's the first horizontal commandment. The first four commandments are vertical. They have to do with our relationship with God. The last six commandments are horizontal. They have to do with our relationships with people. And it's no coincidence that the first horizontal commandment is honor your father and your mother. Why? Let me suggest two reasons. Number one, respect for authority begins at home. This is a critical lesson that every child must learn. It determines how you'll do at school, how you'll do at work, how you'll do in life. The child who grows up saying, nobody's going to tell me what to do, will have a hard time keeping a job and a hard time keeping the laws of the land. And that's why when you come over to Exodus chapter 21 and verse 15, it says, and he who strikes his father or mother shall surely be put to death. Verse 17, he who curses his father or mother shall surely be put to death. When children don't learn authority for parents in the home, God said we'll just take them out of society because they will not be able to respect authority anywhere else. And then the second reason, this is the first horizontal commandment, is because how I relate to my parents will affect every other relationship. Your relationship to your parents is a major forming factor in your life. It is the foundation for all other relationships. When you get it right, you get other relationships right. When you get it wrong, you get other relationships wrong. Many marriages today are ruined because there's not a proper relationship with a person's parents. And that's why you hear people saying to their spouse, you're just like my mom. What's the problem with that? You never got along with your mom. I always coach young gentlemen when they're looking at a young lady as a prospective wife, look carefully at how she relates to her parents. Because if she cannot submit to them, she will not submit to you. Now, what does it mean to honor your father and your mother? The word honor is an interesting Hebrew word. It's a word that literally means to be heavy. And so the word means to give weight to them, to value them, to esteem them, to revere them. How do you honor your father and your mother? Well, it really depends on the stage of life that you're in. Someone has said there are four stages in a man's life. Stage one, he believes in Santa Claus. Stage two, he doesn't believe in Santa Claus. Stage three, he is Santa Claus. And stage four, he looks like Santa Claus. In each stage of life, you apply this command differently. Stage one would be a child. How do I honor my parents? as a child? Well, I do so by obeying them and by respecting them. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1, where Paul quotes this fifth commandment, he gives this application, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And the word obey is a Greek word that literally means to listen under. It is to get under the authority of your parents and listen and hear and respond. 
You say, well, how much of what my parents say am I supposed to obey? Well, Paul answers that in Colossians 3.20. Children, obey or be obedient to your parents in all things. Now, that's real simple. You don't have to do a whole lot of calculating. You are to obey your parents in everything. The only exception would be when they ask you to do something or tell you to do something that is morally wrong. And you are to do or to obey your parents also by showing them respect. That, that is your attitude of obedience. That's how you respond in obedience to your parents, with respect. You're to do what your parents say, not grudgingly, not grumpily, not belatedly, but willingly, pleasantly, and immediately. Some of your parents might want me to repeat that, don't you? Willingly, pleasantly, immediately. You say, well, this doesn't apply to me because I'm a teenager and I'm not a child. Well, it's interesting, the, the word Paul uses for children in Ephesians chapter 6 is not babies and it's not little children. It's a broader term that means offspring. So anyone who is still in the home under the care of their parents has this application that they are to be obedient to those parents. As long as you're under your parents' roof, you're to obey them. As long as you're dependent on your parents for food and clothing and shelter and insurance, they have the right to call the shots. Second stage is young adult. This is when you're out on your own. This is when you're no longer dependent on your parents. This is when you're carving out a family of your own. How do I honor my parents as a young adult? Let me suggest two ways. Number one, by accepting them. The older you get, the more clearly you see your parents' faults and hang-ups. Someone said my parents have more hang-ups than the phone company. Well, with all their hang-ups... You are to accept them. You say, well, why should I accept my parents? I didn't have a choice. Well, neither did they. See, God made that choice, and God placed you exactly in the family He wanted you to be in. And you are to honor your parents by accepting them. Number one, realize that God used them to bring you into the world. Regardless of their parenting skills, you owe them your life because you wouldn't be here without them. Have you ever said to your parents as a young adult, Dad, Mom, I wouldn't want to have anybody else as parents but you. That's accepting them. Secondly, by listening to what they have to say. Now, as a young adult, you are no longer bound to what they say, but you should listen. Proverbs 23, 22 says, Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. You are to listen to them and you are not to despise them. You may disagree, but you can disagree without being disagreeable. You should listen to them. And this often arises as a young adult when you have a big decision to make and you go back to your parents and say, Mom, Dad, what do you think? I like what Mark Twain said. When I was 14 years old, my father was so ignorant, I hated to have the old man around. But when I was 21 years old, I was astonished to see how much my father had learned in only seven years. 
also accept my parents by forgiving them. You know, it's a fact of life that we often hurt the people we love the most, both intentionally and unintentionally. And today the pattern is to pay about $100 an hour to lay on a couch and blame your parents for all your problems. They did this, they did that. They're the reason I'm such a mess. Proverbs 20.20 says, If a man curses his father or mother, his lamp will go out in the dark. That's a metaphor of life. Bitterness is self-destructive. It always hurts you more than it hurts the person you're bitter towards. You know, there are people in this room today who have some unfinished business with your parents. And just bringing it up kind of brings up a whole well of emotions. Now, God isn't saying you are to honor their sins. God isn't saying you are to honor what they did wrong to you, but God is saying you are to honor them and the position that they hold as your parents. And the only way you can do that in this kind of context is to forgive them. Stop blaming and start forgiving. And then when you do that, you're able to focus on what is right, which is the second way you are to show honor as a young adult, by appreciating them. Deuteronomy 26.11 says, You shall rejoice in all the good which the Lord your God has given you and your household. When you think about your parents, what can you rejoice in? What can you be thankful for? What can you appreciate? Well, let me suggest two things. Number one, you can appreciate their effort. Parenting is a difficult, time-consuming job. I watch some of you out in the parking lot, and it takes great effort just to get your kids into the van. You know, it's a, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort being a parent. Have you ever thought about how much easier your parents' lives would have been without you? You know, they say when you cut down a tree that you can tell the times in a tree's life when it had the greatest stress by the rings that are there. You tell that in your parents' life by the gray hair. You know, people would come up to my mom and say, is that Miss Clairol? And she'd say, no, that's my son Danny. <laughs> this gray spot over here is when he told the car, and this one over here is when he almost drowned in a muddy creek bed, and this is when he broke the neighbor's window, and all of those things that add the complexity and stress to her life. That's us. When's the last time you were thankful to your parents for putting up with you? Second thing you're to appreciate, and that is their sacrifice. Parenting is expensive, just economically. They estimate that to raise a child to maturity today costs a parent a quarter of a million dollars. I think Dale Dolan's just fell over. Let's see. Someone has said that a father is someone who carries pictures where he used to carry money. I heard about a family that was sitting for a family portrait, and the father said, why don't you have my kids put their hands in my pockets? It'll look more natural. When a couple chooses to have a child, 
they are choosing to do without some other things. They are making sacrifices. What is it that your parents could have afforded if they hadn't had to spend all that money on you? Your clothes, your school, your doctor bills, your braces. Appreciate them. And then the third stage of life is as an adult. This is when your parents are grandparents and many times great-grandparents. How do I honor my parents as an adult? Let me suggest two ways. Number one, by affirming them. Older people get very little affirmation. Many of their friends who affirm them have died. They no longer get respect in the marketplace for their skills and their wisdom. Their grown children are off developing their own families, and they're often very lonely. What better time to let them know the positive contribution they made in your life? How do you affirm them? By staying in touch with a card, a call, a letter. What they want most is for you to share the details of your life. All the flowers in the world at their funeral won't make any difference. You see, flowers at a funeral are for your benefit, not theirs. If you're going to give them flowers, give them flowers while they're still alive. One of the saddest things I see is to go over to a nursing home and visit someone who I know has prosperous, surviving children who rarely, if ever, visit their parents. On her 80th birthday, a woman from Brooklyn decided to prepare her last will and testimony, or testament, and she went to her rabbi and made two final requests. She said, I want to be cremated, and then I want to have my ashes scattered over Bloomingdale's. He said, why Bloomingdale? She said, well, then I'll be sure my two daughters will visit me twice a week. Second, by listening to their counsel, their years of experience and wisdom is a family treasure. We see examples of this in Scripture. Moses listened to the counsel of his father-in-law. Ruth listened to the counsel of her mother-in-law. And then by living out their instruction, this is especially true when you've got Christian parents, you can do nothing that brings more honor to them than by your own character and reputation. Proverbs 23, 24 says, The father of a righteous man has great joy. He who has a wise son delights in him. And then the second way you can honor your parents as an adult is by providing for them. The word honor always also carries the idea of financial support. Jesus used it that way in Mark chapter 7 to tell grown parents that they ought to provide for their needy parents. And in 1 Timothy 5, 17, Paul says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. And then he describes what that word means in the next verse by saying, The laborer is worthy of his wages. Honor has the idea of financial support. And so to honor your parents when they're old and needy is to provide for them. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And if you will read the verses before and after that, you will see that he's talking about widows indeed. He's talking about providing for your own parents. 
If you find a situation where your parents have become too old to care for themselves, it is not the government's responsibility. It is your responsibility. That is the cycle of the family. At one stage in life, they fed and bathed and clothed and cared for you. At another stage in life, the roles are reversed. And you may have to feed and bathe and clothe and care for them. That is honoring your father and your mother. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, dying for the sins of the world, one of the things that was on his heart was the care and provision for his mother. He only said seven words, seven phrases while he was hanging on the cross. One of them was, paraphrase, John, take care of my mother. You are to honor your father and your mother. You do that as a child by obeying and respecting them. You do that as a young adult by accepting and appreciating them. And you do that as an adult by affirming and providing for them. Now, let me say a word to parents. How do you make it easy for your children to honor you? Well, let me suggest four quick ways. Number one, by loving them. Now, I've never talked to a parent who didn't tell me they love their kids. The problem is communicating that to them. And let me suggest three ways. Number one, say it with your words. You can never tell them too much. I love you. Write it in a card. Write it on a note. Stick it in their lunchbox. Send them an email. Get the right address. Say it, say it, say it to your kids. Secondly, say it with your touch. I like the bumper sticker that asks the question, have you hugged your kid today? It's a great question because that's something we ought to do every day. Even when they get older, even when they say, oh, mom, oh, dad, that's probably when they need the most hug. Hug your kids. They need your touch. When the prodigal son came back in Luke chapter 15, it says his father did what? He fell on his neck and he kissed him. He said, I love you with his touch. I love this description from Annie Dillard's book, The Living. It says, His wife laughed at his jokes. His mother waited on him. His red-haired daughter rode on his shoulders and bounced her heels in his heart. Wow. We say, I love you with our touch. And then thirdly, say it with your time. You can say all the words in the world to communicate your love, but if you're not there, your kids aren't going to get it. You say it with your time by being at the school play, being at the piano recital, being at the Little League game, playing horse in the backyard. When you give your time, you are giving them you. In August... On August 11th, 1997, the issue of Sports Illustrated had an article about Pete Rose Jr. He was asked by reporters, what's it like being Pete Rose's son? And without hesitation came this inevitable reply, there isn't anybody prouder of his father than me, and nobody prouder to have his name. The man's the hit king. Who wouldn't be honored to be the son of one of the greatest baseball players who ever played? But what he didn't tell reporters was this. At that time, Pete Rose Jr. was 27 years old. He was playing in his ninth minor league season. He had played organized baseball since he was five years old. 
And his father had attended fewer than ten of his games and left most of them before they were over. In fact, in 1988, Pete Jr.'s Cincinnati team had won the American Legion World Series, and Big Pete didn't even know it until a reporter recently told him that fact. Little Petey was 15 years old on that day in September 1985 when Big Pete passed Ty Cobb to claim the record for the most hits ever. Petey was in the dugout watching. And here's how the article describes that moment. Almost against his will, Petey raced out to meet his dad, eyes blinking against the storm of camera flashes lighting the stadium. The father, who never showed emotion, stood on first base, sobbing into an open hand. I was afraid he was going to tell me to get back in the dugout, said Petey. But when I got up to him, he threw his arms around me. That was the first time he ever hugged me. And then at the end of the article, he says this. I've decided that if you have to do what my dad did to be the greatest ever, then I don't want to be the greatest ever. I'd, I'd, I've decided I'd much rather be the greatest father ever than the greatest ball player ever. Well, he can get there by, number one, loving his kids. Number two, by lifting them. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children that they may not lose heart. Paul warns parents against discouraging our children. Don't drive your children nuts by being unpleasable. Don't try to make another child like you. We've already got one in the world. Don't exasperate them. Don't frustrate them. Children need encouragement. Catch them doing something right. Look how neat your room is. I can see the carpet. One day a little boy was coming down the street with his baseball cap on and his bat and his ball and he was saying, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And he tossed up the ball and he swung and he missed it. He said, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And he went on down the street, he threw it up again, and he swung and he missed. And he said, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And then he paused to look at his bat and his ball carefully. And then he threw the ball up again, and he swung and he missed. And he said, I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. <laughs> As parents, we need that kind of logic sometimes to find the positive and encourage. And then a the third thing I would suggest is by limiting them. When an umpire has clearly marked foul lines, knows the rules, enforces them, calls a consistent strike zone, the players are set free to play the game. And when the umpire is inconsistent, it drives the players nuts and the coaches nuts because it creates confusion. In the same way, it takes consistent restrictions to set children free. In 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 13, it says that Eli's sons made themselves contemptible and Eli failed to restrain them. He didn't set limits. Your children need limits. They will push against those limits and if those limits move, they will be insecure. If those limits stand fast, secure, consistent, they will find security 
in that. It is your responsibility as a parent to liberate them by limiting them. If you don't conquer your child's will, somebody else will do it. And then fourthly and finally, by leading them. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's not enough to simply teach them. You have to train them. You don't learn how to play football by going to the library and reading a book. You learn how to play football by having someone show you and coach you. That's what we're to do as parents. We are to show them by example, and we are to coach them through the experiences of life. Kids don't want to know, are you perfect? Kids want to know, are you real? And when they know that, they will follow your lead. In 1993, they were doing some remodeling in the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. And as the workers were moving some display cases, they found something slipped down between the crevice. It was a photograph of a man with a bat on his shoulder in his softball uniform. And across the front, it said Sinclair Oil. And stapled to the picture was a handwritten note that said, you were never too tired to play ball. On your days off, you helped build the little league field. You always came to watch me play. You were a Hall of Fame dad. I wish I could share this moment with you. Wouldn't you love to be a Hall of Fame dad or a Hall of Fame mom? One that it's easy to honor. You can be by loving them, lifting them, limiting them, and leading them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. We thank you for this exhortation to children and to parents. And Father, I pray for the homes represented here today that this might be lived out in practical ways that might not only bring honor from children to parents, but most of all, that might bring honor to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.